Welcome to the 13th episode of the Art of You podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Ali Samadpour. In this episode, we learned about how Ali built his digital marketing agency, Prescient Digital, and what he learned while working with massive artists in the music industry, how important it is to diversify income streams for yourself as a musician or artist, and why it is essential to own as much first-party data as possible. This was a fun one. I hope you enjoy this episode. Ladies and gents, today on the Art of You podcast, we have Ali Samadpour. Ali, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing great. Uh, I'm stoked to chat with you. Ali is uh, a good friend of mine, and uh, he has a ton of knowledge and great stories to share with us. So, um, Ali, why don't you uh, give a little background, like where are you from, and how did you get into um, the music industry originally? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and be part of the podcast. Um, love seeing what you've been doing and some of the guests you've had so far. I think it was um, Oliver. Um, yeah, Oliver Anwar. Yeah, the dude who's just yoked. Yeah, I started <laughs> following him on Twitter and like immediately after your your podcast with him and um, getting a lot of value just from his show and following him now. So sick. Um, yeah, thanks for doing this and thanks for having me. Um, Thank you for joining. We're pumped to have you. Thank you. So yeah, um, I'm Maryland born and raised. I live in Washington, DC. I've been here for about five years now. So I've been uh, running my own show doing uh, music marketing for five years now, which is quite the journey. Um, And I got started very, very fortunately started as an intern working at Bullet Agency, which is right here in Georgetown. Um, Wasn't getting paid at first, like really just kind of had to struggle, earn your keep, basically. My old boss used to call it earn your nut, basically. Like you gotta, <laughs> yeah. you gotta really earn it if you're gonna be part of this because music industry doesn't have that much money in it. So I worked, ground things out, um, which led to a job and then um, ended up moving to Philadelphia for a position at Universal Music Group, um, doing marketing there. And while I was there, I worked with like DJ Shadow, um, worked with Loco Dice, Victor Calderon, all of their techno artists. I ended up working with Richie Houghton as well. Wow. Um, and that's when I left to start my business, Pressing Digital, um, right here in DC. Five, four years ago? Almost, turns five this year. Wild to think about. Congrats, man. It's huge. I've, I've seen the evolution of it. It keeps growing. It's exciting. Thank you. Yeah. I, we've gone back, I guess, before I even lived in Philadelphia. We've been, been friends and connected for, for quite a while. So you've seen yeah. all of this. Yeah. Wild. It's awesome. Yeah. I think we, when we first met, you were, uh, you, you were living in Philly and working at fame house and, um, real quick, you, you kind of touched on it real quick, Ollie, like you, you were at fame house and working with some high profile artists. Um, what, what did you kind of learn about yourself and some different, uh, things about the music business that maybe you learned at fame house that you brought to, you know, your, your personal company, prescient digital. Um, so I was only at Fame House for one year, like ex- pretty much to the day, one year. Um, and I had checked out at the nine month mark, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. The thing I learned is, uh, can I swear? Yeah, <laughs> good, whatever you want. I'm a shitty employee. 
That's just, that's my, <laughs> I am not yeah. a good employee. I don't do well with rules and structure. I always try and find my own way around. And it's, I think working for a larger company was just difficult for me. I'm too much of a hustler to sit here and play by the rules. Like I have this entrepreneurial drive. I need to figure things out on my own. I need to fail, learn and adapt. Um, so that, that was something I learned. Um, but overall the experience was very, very valuable for me being in that structure, structured environment, the environment, excuse me, is something that I needed um, to learn actually how to run a marketing company. So the experience was super, super valuable. Um, I learned how to basically speak with artists and do client management, which was very difficult to do when you're working with people who are like as big as Loco Dice or DJ Shadow. Um, sure. So learning how to speak with these people, communicate with them and just client relations in general was something that was cemented for me while I was there. In addition to actually getting my marketing chops. What, what I love about you, Ali, is like, I, I know as a friend, like you're a guy that, like you said, you have that entrepreneurial drive. You like to create your own opportunities, right? Like you like to fail forward, go for it and try new things. You mentioned Loco Dice. And I know as you transit, kind of transition into pre pressing and digital, you had kind of like an opportunity to try to separate yourself, maybe to kind of reconnect with Loco Dice and, you know, work with him as a personal client. Can you kind of walk us through that maturation and development and how you made that happen? Yeah, absolutely. So when I mentioned I had checked out at the nine month mark, um, it was because I had solidified my relationships with the artists I wanted to work with. I, I was very big into like techno and house music at that time. Um, so I really looked up to Victor Calderon. I really looked up to local artists. And actually I shouldn't even say that past tense. I look up to them both tremendously still, mm -hmm. the legacy, um, and their history speaks for itself. They're both very, very talented artists. So I had built a very strong personal connection with both of these artists where I was put into this position where they said, we aren't enjoying our experience with Fame House as much, um, but we really enjoy working with you. If mm. you end up you know, leaving and doing something else, let us know, we'll come with you. And that's exactly what happened at that nine month mark. I got the kind of the ball rolling on making my exit and um, solidifying some new clients for myself as well. What stood out to you? Like you mentioned Loco Dice and Victor Calderon, where you said you, you respect them, you admire them, then you still do now. What are some things that you look for for artists that you want to look with? And how important is it for you to have that respect for artists that you're working with? What stood out for me is just, uh, social proof was a big one for me. Um, just seeing that validation on social, people were always so hyped about the next Victor show. Um, back in 2015, we had a residency going on for his then record label called Matter. And it was at Space Ibiza in New York. Um, and it was once a month. And Victor would go on, he would play minimum six hours. Um, oh my gosh. For, for those sets. And that's actually how I built my relationship with Victor as well was being present. Um, and that's, I think, another thing that set me out from the other people who were working at Fame House at that time. I was paying out of my own pocket to go to these shows. I was paying for my bus ticket, leaving Philadelphia, um, taking the hour and 45 minute bus ride into downtown and going straight to the show. So I would catch the bus at like 10 p.m. from Philly, get into Manhattan around midnight, get to the club by 1 a.m., 
and I was getting my FaceTime in the DJ booth, drinking 1942, taking shots. <laughs> yeah. Because I think it, it's all about relationships and how well you vibe with people. Another thing that when I'm looking for a new client, in addition to just like seeing how we vibe together or if I like their music is just seeing how passionate I am about their music. Uh, and initially when I was getting started, that was super important for me. Like prestige and legacy was really important for me, but lately not so much. Um, I've gone from being that kid who's like really excited about working with XYZ artists for their name and who they are to being more sensible with business, um, making sure there are clients that are going to keep the lights on, but I don't rock with their music or they're not even in the music space at all. Um, it's just making business decisions um, based off of that and then separating passion from business. So um, one thing I've started doing is like, I'll bring on these passion projects, but not do it for the money at this point. If I make some money on the side, cool. There's a trade-off that happens at some point when working with these passion projects, you're going to get compensated differently. For me, when I work with these passion artists or these passion projects, it's, it feeds into my creativity and it gives me excitement that I won't get from a corporate client. So for me, it just opens doors like mentally and it, it's exciting for me to work on these projects. That's why I bring them on. So I keep it separate. Um, but if I'm passionate about your music and you got money, let's roll. We're going to make magic. I know you know your clients really well, Ali. And like in the past, you've even said you've been able to kind of pick out what they would say for their social media so that you're able to kind of portray what they would really say. You're, you're helping people with their social media and putting together, you know, captions and information that accurately represents, you know, who they are as people and like who they are as artists. Can you kind of elaborate on that process and how you build on that relationship with artists you work with? Yeah, it really comes down to how much access you have from the get-go with the actual artists themselves. But if the access is limited and you can't do regular phone calls with them, the best way forward for me was just to go through and scour their posts, read their Wikipedia, read all of the interviews and articles they've done, and watch if there's videos of them actually speaking and doing an interview. Watch and learn. That's the best way you're going to learn from them to catch their vibe, their tone, how they communicate in general. And it's, it took me a very long time to figure this out. For some people, it took, you know, six to 12 months to figure out what their actual voice is. And mm. even then, um, for some clients, you need to go through the approval process and have them approve what you've said. You know, I, I feel like for any artist or any brand, you're always kind of continually figuring out what is your voice and what, what is your story that you're trying to tell. And I think you have a really cool story, Ali. Like, that's why I wanted to bring you on the podcast. You started at Bullet. You know, you're doing work that might not be that desirable. You're getting the work done. You go to uh, Universal or, uh, yeah, Universal. Fame House got acquired by Universal while I was there. So it's, yeah, same. Universal thing. Fame House. So you, you worked your way up. You brought, you brought everything that you learned, you know, to Precedent Digital. You know, you've worked your way up, right? Like there's adversity. Nothing's ever, you know, 100% goes according to plan. But, you know, for anyone in the music industry, let's be honest, like 2020 was not easy. It was tough, like for anybody. And we're recording this right now in 2021. What did you learn, Ali, about yourself in 2020? And how do you think it might make you better for your work and your business in the future? What I learned in 2020 is that you can never be too prepared. You can never count on things not going wrong 
expect the unexpected is something that I learned. Like nothing is guaranteed in life. And that was, um, I learned a lot of hard lessons this year. Well, last year, technically. Um, fortunately, I guess if we want to use the word fortunately in this situation, I experienced it in, I think, 2018, where I had a drop off of, I guess it was about $12,000 a month of revenue had dropped off. Um, my staff in Berlin left. So I lost clients, I lost staff, and I basically floated the company on my personal savings for, I want to say like eight months. Um, and then I recovered. If you remember when we went to the Indian joint, yeah, <laughs> um, Punjab Grill, yes. we were celebrating. I got a champagne because that was pretty much like once I had signed two music festivals that week, that was the mark of the recovery for me. It was like, cool, my company's going to balance out. Everything's okay again, and we're going to celebrate. So that was like the mark of the recovery for me, which was a year and a half ago. And now I'm back in this position again. In March, I lost all of my clients. Um, yep. Even Victor and Loco Dice, they were with me both for four years at that point. Um, and it just wasn't financially viable to stay on. So I learned that regardless of your relationships, anything can happen. You need to be able to cover your ass. You need to diversify your revenue streams. You can't just depend on one type of revenue. Um, because then you get caught flat-footed in a situation like this. Again, I had to live off my savings for six months until I found the next project. I didn't have to do it. I could have opted to take a nine-to-five job um, to do it, but I was fortunate to have savings again and able to get by without having to do that. But, you know, you got to expect the unexpected or do your best to shield yourself and, and protect yourself from situations like this. I feel like it's so important for anyone to, you know, anyone listening to understand, like if you're an entrepreneur, you're an artist, or you're creating your own business, success is not linear. There's going to be peaks and valleys and you're going to learn from, you know, different things along the way. Um, it's not, it's not as easy as it looks. Ali, can you kind of explain um, the functions and, you know, everything that is prescient digital, like what services do you provide? What type of clients do you work with? And just kind of give a, a full rundown of what Prescient Digital does. Sure. I think um, the company has definitely evolved from when I started it in 2016. Uh, at, at that time when we started, we were doing just like social media management, helping with tour marketing, event marketing, stuff like that. Um, as things progressed, we started adding like graphic design. And more recently, we've been doing a significant amount of just paid media. So social media advertising, YouTube ads, things like that. Um, and I've been trying to pivot more into doing music festivals. Um, the main reason I've made this change is because the proof of work is there. I can show my client, you put in this many dollars, this is how many you just got pulled out. You know, like this is how much money you got paid. And it becomes a bartering chip. Hey, I generated this much value for you versus last year when you had a different marketing person. So it gives you leverage as well. So that's kind of like where we're at right now. Um, things have been admittedly quiet because again, I was in electronic music space and there are no shows. I can relate. Um, yeah, you can <laughs> yeah. definitely relate. Yeah. So definitely changing the strategy going forward. I'm working on bringing some more corporate clients on um, just to balance things out and have the stability and then do the passion projects. The ones I'm really passionate about, electronic music or if it's hip hop, um, those will be the ones that kind of become the side. 
Ali, I love how you're diversifying. Like I know early on you're, you know, working with DJs. Now you're saying you're working with festivals. And I know that, you know, SX, SXM Festival was a huge success for you earlier this year. Now you're working with some different hip hop artists. Talk about your experience working with some YouTube ads for different clients and kind of your process on just kind of the whole uh, game plan on how to get more attention on somebody's YouTube, like that whole process. Sure thing. So back in September, um, I was in touch with an old friend of mine, Moody Jones. He is the uh, owner founder of this company called Everybody Knows based in San Francisco. Um, and he gave me this opportunity to come on and do all of their paid media. So I'm technically working with Everybody Knows. This one is separate from Prescient Digital. Um, and they are heavy in the hip hop space. So they brought me all of these rap artists to work with. So shout out to Moody, thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I got to do a lot of really cool campaigns. I worked on a bunch of campaigns for Made in Tokyo, um, which is a rapper that I was a big fan of for many years. So I was really excited to work with him on his new album. It's called Never Forgotten, um, streaming everywhere right now. And <laughs> right now we're working on some advertising for his merchandising. I worked on a ton of campaigns for St. John, who also had an album come out uh, back in November while the world was burning. Dope album. And we did some really cool activations there too. Um, the bulk of the work I did for those two artists was just YouTube ads and social media ads. And um, I mean, for them, the priority was just getting as many views as possible in, especially in the first week of the release. Um, that's what's gonna help with the chartings. So did a lot of that for them. And then the social ads, it, we, didn't go, we didn't go too robust in the strategy. We just wanted prime views from prime market. So, U.S. is where we want to get our views from. That's what our big focus was. Um, I would love to do more activations with them on a, on a broader scale. Um, if you remember correctly, I was able to get St. John's video uploaded to Pornhub because he had recorded the entire album. Like he did a, a video, it's 30 minutes long or maybe 50 minutes long. Um, and it was recorded all in a strip club. So the strippers are dancing to it, but they're, they have clothes on sort of um but he's in there and it's just like a whole experience it's on youtube right now um <laughs> pornhub ended up taking it down but they were really receptive to that idea and everyone started talking about it on social media which was a huge win we didn't have to pay anything for it and it just got a ton of chatter so more attention on the album for free it was a win and i want to do more activations like that because again ads are cool but i want to do dope activations going forward so uh, you kind of already alluded to it, Ali, but where should artists and brands consider doing advertising that they might not be thinking of currently? Oh, you read my articles. Let's go, boy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I put out an article, I want to say maybe a year and a half, two years ago about advertising on Pornhub. And I still strongly believe it because even if you don't, first of all, they have the cheapest traffic on the internet, period. It, you're not going to get cheaper internet anywhere else from prime markets than Pornhub or the parent company that, that runs it is called Traffic Junkie. Um, you're gonna get cheap traffic there and cheap impressions. Now, if you're an artist that's somewhat relevant, like, like a more prominent artist, if you start running your ads on there and you start talking about it yourself, people are gonna start talking about it. They might not even click through on the ad when they see it, but it's about social currency for me. That's the strategy, that's the vision behind it. It's social a talking currency. point. Yeah, it's a talking point. This dude did this. You know, we had, 
I think the largest profile that posted the St. John one is called Our Generation Music. I'm going to pull up their Instagram right now to see how many people follow it. It's a huge account. And it got something like 15,000 likes on the post. 471,000 um, followers on Our Generation Music. Wow. Posted about it. And now they're talking about the album or they're watching the video. It's a win. You know, we didn't have to pay for that placement. So that's yeah. nuts. <laughs> run your ad, run some ads on Pornhub, see what you get back. It's different if your brand allows for it. Some some artists are not into it. So it's a hard sell, worth trying if you're open-minded. But um it's it's an interesting concept because it's like you're not contributing to what that platform is or what they do. It's like those people are going to be on there anyway. So you can get your get eye get eyes on your brand in a different way that other people aren't, right? For a cheaper price. Exactly. And there's different types of ads. There's there's the ones like at the top banner. And then there's ones that are on the right side of the screen. Similar to YouTube. It's just like YouTube. Or you can get that um like a seven second video before your video starts. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I think it's brilliant, man. I mean, I think you had to have been like the pioneer of that. I think it's, I really, I love that type of forward thinking. So Ali, why should people be focused on, you know, collecting first party data these days? Like there's so much going on in social media, a lot of moving parts. Why should people be collecting first party da- uh, data? Man, it's been the wild, wild west, especially the last, what, what day is today? The 15th? I guess January like the 15th. last, the last nine, 10 days, it's January 15th. So for reference, for everyone who's listening, um, Capitol Hill got stormed nine days ago. Trump mm-hmm. got banned from Twitter nine days ago and Facebook, Instagram, all the, he got deplatformed last week. So that's why the, this, I think this question is especially relevant whenever you're listening to it. It's just important and relevant to right now, especially. Yeah. Um, Owning first-party data is something that I've been shouting about for a few years now because when you're using platforms like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever you're using, you're technically on their platform under their terms and conditions. You don't really have rights. You can get kicked off at any moment. Or we've all complained about this at some point, giving my Instagram feed back in chronological order instead of mixed up. I'm not seeing my friend's posts. That's their yeah. algorithm. You're held hostage by that. So now you, you're unable to reach your audience. It's your one algorithm switch away from being irrelevant, I think. And it happens. Or you mm-hmm. can shout out band. That's a quote. That's a quote right there. I agree. That, that's the quote. That's the yeah. Quote. Um, I was saying, as I was saying, I was like, oh, this is hot. <laughs> yeah, it was. I um, was like, damn. No, but, but the thing is, once that happens... How are you going to be able to be in touch with your audience, especially if those channels are major selling channels for you? How are you going to be able to stay in touch with them? And that's why it's important to collect as much data as possible. And we're talking emails, phone numbers, their addresses, if they'll share it with you, because that is really valuable. If you get kicked off like Donald Trump did from any of these social media platforms, or let's just say you, Jimmy, you get kicked off for some reason someday. if you still have 20,000 emails, you can still send a newsletter, which has a higher opening rate and uh, reach than your social media posts would ever have anyways. Sure. So you're still able to run a business that way. Worst case scenario. And again, 
we're being sold to on social media so much right now that I just skip right past the ads anyways. I'm not going to sit here and click and engage with it. I'm just going to keep it moving. So email or text is a way better way to actually get, you know, a hold of me and get my attention too. There's so much value in having fans or followers phone numbers or their email because you're able to get direct access to them, like you said, no matter what. But, you know, in the past, I know that you've done a lot of, you know, apparel and merchandise for artists, Ali. And I think that having that first party data is absolutely huge for that to be relevant to let people know. I think that's way more effective than just posting on social media. Can you kind of chat about um, your projects that you've done with uh, different artists working on their merchandise and um, just kind of your overall thoughts on why artists need to prioritize this as like an income stream and an opportunity to, you know, tell their story as a brand. Yeah. Um, about 12 months ago, maybe 13 months ago, I started a new company, um, called modular merch. We're based in, in Germany. Um, and I have a partner, Philip, who is like technically the brains of the operation. I think he's super valuable, knows what he's doing. He has experience with it, like in, in regards to sourcing product, getting the designs made, getting samples made, all of this stuff. So Philip, when you listen to this, appreciate you. Um, but we started a business. What, what we found was that there was no full service solution for um, musicians to produce merch and get it shipped, get it, get it stored, set up everything online and market it. There was no complete solution. So that's what we set out to do. Um, and the reason why is because it's extremely profitable. Like uh, I did a case study when I wrote my article last year. Um, I launched a brand called Business Techno just because that buzzword was really hot at that time. I made these cheap hats. Where did I make them? In China for $4 a pop. And then with shipping on top, uh, it ended up being $5 a, a hat. And then I started selling them for 30. So right off that, I was making $25 a hat, which I, I don't remember what the percentage was. It was something like 80% profit margin, which is significant. Oh, and, absolutely. and it wasn't that difficult. And I wasn't even a reputable brand. You know, I'm just some random dude with a website, a Shopify set up. I didn't run any ads. I just set it up and let it handle itself organically, made a few hundred dollars doing that off of a side project. So if I'm an artist and I actually have a profile and I have real fans, there's no reason not to produce merchandise because this basically adds another income stream for you. You can, if you're doing it well, you can add another I don't know, 10 to $15,000 on the side for yourself. Or if you're a larger artist and you're doing it proper, you know, you can easily make 30 K which is going to pay for your personal assistant, or it's going to go into your ad budget to grow your business further, not the merch business, but your, your DJ business, your rap uh, career, whatever it is that becomes budget to use later. So you reinvest in yourself by having your fans pay for it through merch. And by selling merch, they're wearing your logo. They're wearing your brand. It's literally, they're walking billboard for you at this point. So there's a lot of value to it. The other value is when you set up your Shopify and people are checking out, you're going to get all that first party data. They're going to get added to your newsletter. Boom. Everything is in your ecosystem. So now you've built your mailing list of past customers. You can segment and put people who weren't customers before and start sending them offers. 20% off everything on the shop for 48 hours. 
you're generating revenue for yourself by not really doing anything. You know, it's small effort. It's a, it's an upfront investment for sure. But the value that you get back by way of data, brand recognition and revenue is totally worth it. If if 2020 wasn't enough of a reason for people to realize, Hey, I, we need to get more dynamic and create more revenue streams. I mean, I don't know what, what more evidence do you need? I mean, artists with touring, it's non-existent right now. And let, let's face it, that's like the main income stream for any artist, no matter how big they are or what genre. So this yeah. is absolutely massive for anyone that is trying to grow a brand, whether you're a DJ, a hip hop artist, a musician, if you, even if you're just a company, like it's a great way to, to grow your brand, right? So you, you, you've kind of shared like, hey, you've done projects working for artists, you have Prescient digital modular merch. What do you get most excited about project wise? Is it, you know, marketing for um, a new album release or a new song for maybe a tour for a DJ or something they're working on or um, apparel release? Like what do you personally get most excited about? For me, have you heard the term star fucker? I was like a star fucker in my mind. Like I was always excited about working with these superstar artists. That's really, really cool. You know, like working with St. John, Totally. Really dope. Like I've been listening to his music for so long. Made in Tokyo, really, really dope. So I, those are things that would make me tick. Um, Just being able to work with those people. But again, as I grow up and and get more immersed in this, that's not what's fulfilling for me. Um, Because the reality is the relationship there is me working with the record label or me working with the artist manager which there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way that the relationship is structured. And that's totally fine because marketing people are always the first disposable people anyways. So for me, it's actually more fulfilling to work with a smaller artist, one that's up and coming, that's really hungry and work with them directly because you aren't viewed as an accessory or an add-on. I wanna be a partner to an upcoming artist. I want to work with them for several years and build them, you know? So I want to build and grow together. And that's what's more fulfilling for me is just building a long-term partnership and doing really dope work together and having my input be valued um, in in what we do. So those are all things that are really important for me and get me excited, um, smaller artists right now. That makes sense. And I feel like you definitely have a little more leeway with ideas with maybe an up and coming artist and not someone with like a huge agency or management firm or something. Right. Exactly. I think with, um, with the larger record labels, it's pretty cut and dry. Like this is what we need. These are the KPIs. KPI is um, key performance indicator. So these are the metrics we need to hit. This is the targeting we want to do. Here's your budget. And it's just go. And again, nothing wrong with that because they know exactly what they want. How does it feel when you just knock a project out of the park that you're working on for an artist? Like you meet expectations or exceed and you're just like, wow, like we, we just absolutely crush this. I mean, I can't imagine a better feeling than, you know, finding success, especially on a large scale, because you can be immensely proud looking back on projects that you've done. I've been immensely proud since September, to be honest with you, since I started working with everybody knows every single day, especially at the beginning was a new milestone for me every single day. Cause it had been my dream to pivot into hip hop for probably two years. COVID pushed me out of my comfort zone and forced me into it. Um, but 
every day was a new milestone for me for a few weeks straight, like working with Made in Tokyo on his album, getting to work on the big single I worked on was the one with Jay Balvin, who has literally had a, uh, a McDonald's sandwich. Like he had a McDonald's meal at the same time that song came out. For me, knowing I was making that impact and seeing results on what I was doing was super cool. I had my first music video to hit a million views. I had my wow. first music video hit 5 million views. I had my first music video hit 10 million views. And I think it ended at like 17. So being able to point to that and say, this video right here, I worked on this. I ran the ads for this is really exciting and fulfilling because we found success with what we were doing. Um, and it, it just confirms like we're doing good work. And that's something I'm proud of as well, doing good work. It, it, it seems like uh, year to year, there's kind of a new wave on, you know, how to advertise and market a brand or market music. And you've kind of chatted about it with me and, you know, previously through your brand. Hey, like Facebook ads, you know, they're, they're, they were big. There's other avenues to more, you know, organically grow your brand in ways where it doesn't seem like addy, right? Can you kind of elaborate on how, you know, influencers can kind of be a game changer for marketing and advertising for a musician, a brand, or, you know, anyone trying to grow their social reach? Influencers are the new wave, 100%. There's nothing more important than influencers right now. Um, especially after today, it just rolled out. Um, you should probably, if you look at your iPhone, you have an iOS software update today, um, which is going to add that opt-in feature on iOS 14 for privacy tracking. Um, you'll get notified, do you want to be tracked basically? And once you click no, that means Facebook and their pixel is now broken. They can't track you. So Facebook ads are going to go to shit after today. And wow. a lot of marketers including myself, don't know what the implications of this will be and how badly it's going to mess things up. We don't know yet, um, but it's basically breaking the tracking of conversions, which a lot of marketers are dependent on. So I think this is going to make influencers even more important going forward because they're still going to have that high reach and you can have a better idea of what's working and what's not. Um, I think influencers make culture. Memes make culture. Memes make hits at this point. We're at this point um, in the music industry where getting your song featured on hood clips or rap or whatever it is by way of a meme is going to do more for you than $1,000 of Instagram ads ever will. Because that is being shown up in your feed organically. And you're all going to be wondering, what's this song that just made me laugh? You know, like the meme made me laugh. Well, what's that song? And if it gets more market penetration, more pages start sharing it, you're going to hear it over and over again. So I've actually found a few really good hits through hood clips. And if I'm sitting here finding these like that, a lot of other people will be too. So I think it's really valuable. We've done case studies um, through everybody knows. I don't have the exact metrics, but um, in one case we had one of the campaigns go live and the artist's profile grew from 18,000 followers on Instagram to 31,000 wow. in, in a week. And you can see the numbers from when the campaign went live on the Spotify backend, there's just a spike in streams. So you get that validation. This is actually worth it. Like This is really valuable. This is very powerful. Um, 
that same clip that Hood Clips posted, Snoop Dogg picked it up himself and posted it to his timeline on his own. Jeez. And Snoop has, I don't know, probably 20 million followers. I, I have no idea. Yeah. But again, all these people start posting it and it's just free exposure for your track. So it's a really powerful tool. We need we need more influencers, I think. Well, no, hold on. Don't <laughs> quote me on that. We're going to back that up. We don't need any more influencers. I don't need to see any more tummy tees. Yeah. I don't need to see... I do need to see more yoga pants, but no more tummy tees. I, you, you touched on something really uh, big there, Ali. I think that, you know, you said this, did this song make me laugh? Is that part of a video that made me laugh? Or is it part of a meme that like, I, I feel like with advertising music or really anything, if you're able to make someone feel an emotion, whether that's, you know, happy, uplifting, make them laugh uh, maybe, maybe make them sad or feel empathetic about something. Is that a kind of like a strategy that you use with, with these ads, or is that something that you think that anyone working with an influencer should try to aim for? Yeah. How are you going to make your impact? How is this going to be memorable? Like who actually is going to give a shit about this to remember it? And laughter is the way forward on Instagram because people are, are sharing memes left and right. That's just the culture. That's the nature of the platform. So that's what works well there. Um, I really like what you said about, you know, music. Music is about feeling at the end of the day. And for me, like anytime I even go through the my music, I play on shuffle. I hear a track. I remember, oh, here's where I was at this time in my life, mentally, physically. Here's where I was living. Here's what I was doing at this time. Music is about, yeah, like memories, emotions, feelings it's all of it so i think music is so so powerful what ali if you could work with uh any artist or brand um who would it be and why um i got a few just because i think um there's so many different artists that that inspire in different ways in their own capacity um i'm gonna go with future because he's my number one favorite artist period like <laughs> didn't see that coming you didn't see that coming oh i'm joking i'm, I'm yeah. that, that was sarcasm yeah ollie, um, ollie's a huge future fan for i'm a future listening. look me up future top five top 0.5 percent listener for future i listen to <laughs> way too much of it um, <laughs> shout out to the toxic king um so yeah i just like him i like his aesthetic i don't know how much work could realistically get done with him um, but it's just like a dream. But if I want to work with an artist to make an impact, um, my number one pick would probably be Seth Eliza. Um, she's been my favorite artist for the past five years and, uh, she's blossoming right now. She's thriving. If you've never heard of Seth Eliza, go look her up, check out her music videos. She is making art in every sense of the word. She's not making music. She is making fucking art. Um, and, I really admire her team and, and the work that they've been doing with her for the past five years. You just see the progression. It's been huge. So that is probably my top artist to work with um, in the near future. If I can. I agree with you. I mean, from what you, you brought her on my radar, I didn't know about her and she is creating art. You're 100% correct. Ollie. It's like a whole different vibe that she has her own unique like mystique about her almost what's a what's the most memorable concert show dj set or festival that you've ever been to and why was it special and why why do you remember it all right so i i had to really think about this question yeah and 
I think it's not fair to answer with one. Because sure. again, music is music is all about experience, right? And for me, I would have to say, going back to Sevdaliza, I only saw her once and it was at E Street Music Hall. Um, I was starstruck, obviously. And it was her first tour of the US. Uh, but she just has this way, this demeanor, this aura, this presence that she has where it feels very intimate. Like you're, it's just you two. Cause she finds a way to connect with everybody in the crowd some way. And she was very humble, but powerful at the same time. And the music was just dope. Like she is just raw talented. So that was one of my top shows. Um, I think one of like the most organic natural music experiences, music discovery experiences for me was walking into this show um, at this bar in Adams Morgan called Songbird, tiny little bar. My friend Shabnam, had invited me to go to the show. Um, and I was like, I don't want to go. I've never heard of this band. I don't care. Like, but whatever, I'll go. If you want to go, you don't have anyone to go with, I'll go. I went and this was their first tour of the US. Within the the second track that they played, it's a, I think they're like a several piece band. Yeah. And they, they remind me a little bit of the XX. They're from the UK, I think. Okay. Um, the music was just so good and so powerful that in the middle of the concert, I've never had this experience before or felt compelled to do it. In the middle of the concert, I opened my phone. I follow them on Spotify. I follow them on Instagram. And at the end of the show, I bought a physical record. Like wow. that for me, if I were an artist, that's the impact I would want to have every time I do it. That's the biggest compliment you could possibly get from going to the show. Yeah. 100%. They were so talented. And I was just like, these people are, are so good. I gotta, like, I need to follow and, and stay in touch. And um, that was just like one of the most genuine organic experiences I've ever had. So that was really special. Um, I touched on the Victor Calderon shows in New York. Those were always special because um, especially on, on the New Year's Day shows, uh, those were start at like 10 in the morning. Jeez. Yeah. So I wouldn't go out <laughs> New Year's Eve for like five years straight. I would sleep catch the train, go to New York, and then go to the event. You'll notice that the they would open the blinds sometimes. They have automated blinds. They'll pull them up just so that they remind you, you're a degenerate for being, you know, in the club <laughs> the at club this hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but another interesting thing with Victor shows was like, if it was in the evening, between 2 and 5 a.m., it was like this hard techno crowd. You know, everyone's in black, you know, just like, Persian guy in a techno club. That's the whole thing, but it was Jersey people. And then around 6 a.m., Victor's crowd would change. The whole room would change on its own, by the way. It wasn't like a, it wasn't planned, but then the gay community would show up. Oh. So the gay community would show up and they would all, next thing you know, everyone's naked. Like it's, everyone's shirts off. They're still wearing uh, shorts or yeah, whatever. Um, whole different but, vibe. <laughs> but then Victor's music would change. Victor would go from playing that hard techno because he's reading the room again, a professional at what he does and it becomes more vocals, a little more housey, a little more tribal. And it's just turns into this huge dance party. So it's really cool that um, he's able to be that dynamic. So the new year's day shows at space legendary. Um, And then probably my last favorite one. I went with my buddy, Will, I love jazz music. And uh, I went to go see, my old, old friend, Mark Meadows, he was playing at uh, Blues Alley here in Georgetown. 
and my buddy Will and I went. And the thing with jazz that's really exciting is it's, it's like organized chaos in some way because nothing is planned. There's no structure to it. You're just, they're just going. It's five different people in, in kind of chaos, but harmony at the same time. It's beautiful to watch and entertaining to see as well um, how it's getting hectic, but then it all pans out at the end. And I also think that there's a lot of parallels to life with that as well. Mm. It's organized chaos. So I think um, that show that Mark did because he sings and plays the piano was really bar none for me. It was, it was a really cool experience being able to be there, support him. Um, always cool to support a homie. Looking forward to supporting Rose Drive when he's back on tour as well. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, I remember before COVID hit that we had chatted about going to see a jazz show and we need to once the world opens back up and for sure. Go, we'll go to a jazz show. We'll hit the techno clubs and host Ollie at a Rose Drive show. Um, Ollie, where can people uh, check out your articles? Um, everything is on my Substack now. So it's my first and last name, Ali Samarpour at dot substack.com. Um, everything's there or everything's in my Instagram bio as well. Okay. And um, where can people follow you on uh, social media? Um, just Look up my first and last name, Ali, A-L-I, last name, Samadpour, S-A-M-A-D-P-O-U-R. And I'll probably be the first person you see. It was a blast uh, chatting with you, man, as always. Um, thankful for your time and really uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge, wisdom, and your story with us. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me on.